The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Fantasy Sports Today. It's going down right here. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. Uh, this is your host, Mike Blewett. Uh, a new edition of Fantasy Sports Today, which is me taking it solo. Uh, it'll be a truncated podcast, not as long as the hour that you become accustomed to, but uh, I think uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with this because I'm going to take some new angles on FST that we haven't taken before. Uh, we're going to get into uh, sports business. We're going to get into a lot of interviews with various guests around the fantasy football sports wagering community and the sports community at large. So I'm looking forward to it. For those of you that haven't heard my show in the past, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Mike Blewett, and I'll make sure that you get some good information. So uh, coming off this past weekend, there's obviously a lot to talk about in the football world, and this podcast will cover a variety of sports, but it is Super Bowl week, and that's what we're focused on. We had the Pro Bowl, which looks like it's going to say farewell to Orlando. We've had uh, some other big news in the football world uh, that we can get to, but the reality is the big game is just six days away, and I think a lot of people are excited about it. I think the ratings have shown that people are still tuning into the NFL in massive numbers. That Pat's Chiefs game was seen by 54 million viewers. That was up 22% from the year before. And the playoffs on the whole are up from the previous season. I think uh, the... Uh, rumors of the NFL's demise were greatly exaggerated. Uh, I think we ran into a compelling presidential election a couple of years ago that drew, drove ratings down slightly. Uh, there were some other mitigating factors, but I never really thought the long-term play was to fade the NFL. I think it's alive and well, and revenues will tell you just the same. Uh, the NFL revenues are up to about $15 million, which is right along the plan that Roger Goodell had built uh, a few years ago when he said the NFL revenues will be $25 billion by 2027 and they're a healthy $15 billion right now. So uh, those are the types of things I'll talk about throughout this podcast in weeks to come. But right now I want to focus on Pat's Rams because we are currently sitting cur- at, still at plus two for the Rams. It obviously opened at plus one, one and a half for the Rams, quickly moved over to the Pats, and the Pats remain a two-point favorite. The over still sitting in at 56 and a half, 57 at some books, but right now I'm looking at the FanDuel Sportsbook, and that is a two-point spread and a 56 and a half over. I, I've said on shows in the past, I've said on Fantasy Sports Today on Saturday, that I'll be picking the Pats. I have had Pats futures here for a couple of weeks, and I feel good about their opportunity to win the game. But I, I think what's important to note is that even during this Patriots' dominant run and eight AFC championship games in a row, and now they're in the Super Bowl for the third time in a row, they consistently have played close games. Last year was a one-score game, and the year before, 
and uh, Seahawks, Pats a few years back was a one-score game. The Patriots have consistently been involved in in close games, one-score games. So I, I would I was even watching yesterday. The NFL Network does this every year, and I, I try to get involved in as many of the shows as possible. They do those half-an-hour vignettes, those half-an-hour packaged NFL Films shows on Super Bowls from the past. And I tuned into a couple yesterday, and really one of the craziest ones was the one that was exactly 15 years ago, the 2003 season. Pat's Panthers was the Super Bowl, and... I think with all the prop bets, and that's what we're going to get into today is a ton of prop bets. I have an 80-page stack of prop bets that I'm staring at as I do this podcast. I think it's good to remember those types of games to show you how some of these strange outcomes could happen. And That was at a time when two-point conversions were not as in vogue as they are now, yet we saw a variety of two-point conversions attempted, uh, the Panthers missing a couple. Um, in fact, the Panthers going for a two-point conversion early in that game, in the early in the fourth quarter of that game, really led to a variety of outcomes that might not have been expected. They were down 21-10 in the fourth quarter of that game, scored, but points were hard to come by. There were no points in the first quarter or the third quarter of that game. And not only that, but it was the game that started scoreless for the longest period of time. There were no scores in that game until 27 minutes in. It took 27 minutes nearly for Dion Branch to break the scoreless tie and score. And then it was a whirlwind of scores. There was 24 points scored in the first half of that game after a scoreless first quarter. Then the third quarter remains scoreless. And then we break the scoreless streak again when Antoine Smith scores a touchdown at the beginning of the fourth quarter and it's 21-10 Pats. Panthers come right down and score but because points have been hard to come by they were down five they decide to go for two and miss. Then it's 21-16. They score again go for two again. They miss again. It creates a 22-21 score. Now if they had just kicked the extra point Panthers are up 24-21. We have more well-rounded numbers and the craziness doesn't ensue from there. Then Mike Vrabel catches a touchdown. Pats go for two, make it, 29-22. Field goal, or rather, touchdown by the Panthers to tie it. And then famously, Vinatieri hits what's effectively a walk-off field goal after John Casey kicked the ball out of bounds on the preceding kickoff. I bring all that up to state that there's a lot of wackiness that can go on in these games. Teams get a little tight. They make decisions in different ways. And I think it's going to create some interesting maneuvers for prop bets. If the Panthers had just played it straight and not gone for two, that game probably is tied 31-31 at regulation, and they have a shot in overtime instead of played out to their detriment. So a uh, few prop bets that I like to jump on, and just sort of my strategy for prop bets in general. I think if you want to bet the Patriots giving the points, that's fine with me. Uh, I I prefer to get them on the futures, and you know they're lucky enough or good enough, I should say, to beat the Chiefs. And I prob I I may lay a little bit more down on the Patriots. I'd probably go money line bet. Uh, you know, even though the juice is against me, I still don't really want to lay the points, even though two is short enough that I, I'm comfortable with it. The over, still debating it. Vegas has been really sharp on the overs, and I feel like. Uh, that isn't the type of bet that is a slam dunk. So what I am looking for, that's why I got into two-point conversion so much, the first one out of the gate that I really like is will there be a successful 
two-point conversion. You're plus 200 there, so two-to-one odds on whether there will be a successful two-point conversion. We actually did not see one last year. There were some attempted, but none completed. We did obviously see it uh, with the Atlanta uh, Patriots Super Bowl. We saw a couple in there, uh, I think maybe three all told. And then we had one in the Broncos-Panthers Super Bowl, uh, Pats-Hawks. We got one as well. So the last few years, two of the last four, I believe, uh, we've seen successful two-point conversions. And with that play being so widely accepted now and the Rams coming into this game knowing that they're going to have to score with the Patriots and vice versa, then I I would imagine we'll see some two-point conversions attempted early even if it's not absolutely necessary by the book. So first one out of the gate is one I like, plus 200 uh, for the two-point conversion. Next one I see that I like is going to be the first score of the game will be a touchdown, which is minus 190, or any other score at plus 170. So we open this game on a, on a field goal. You're at plus 170. That's something that I like. We've seen it plenty of times in the past. I get it's a little... Like I don't, I don't like going for the straight coin flips, specifically the coin flips, specifically the national anthem. There's no insight that you can gain there. But I can look back through history and suggest that there's a lot of games in which a field goal have been the first score. In the, uh, in the uh, Broncos-Seattle Super Bowl, the blowout, the first score was actually a safety. So that's a possibility as well, but we're going to be rooting for a field goal there. Uh, the next one I like, last score of the game. Touchdown minus 190, any other score, plus 170. So if we see a field goal, a walk-off field goal, or if we see the Rams are down 10, uh, are down 10 or 11 and they need to kick a field goal and recover the onside kick, I say they're going to kick that field goal. That could be the last field goal of the game. There could be a field goal and then no scores for the last eight minutes of the game. But I'm just suggesting there could be a safety that the Patriots take so that uh, they drain the last bit of clock and kick off to the Rams and give them no chance to win the game. So a variety of different options there. But I'm going to say that's one that I like that jumps out to me. Will the last play of the game be a cute? By the way, there's 80 pages of props, so I'm just picking the ones that I like. Will the last play of the game be a QB rush, which includes a kneel down? So if the Pats are in the lead, Brady kneels it down, I get credit for that. That's plus 140. No is minus 160. That's one that I like because I think it could easily be. uh, I could see that happening. Uh, A few other ones here that we have. Obviously, there's a lot out there in terms of player props. And I think one that we talked about the other day uh, on the Saturday show and one that really jumps out is James White. I think a lot of people think that he's going to be a big part of this game plan, and I do as well. I think the reality is that Aaron Donald is the best player in the entire league, certainly the best defensive player in the entire league. I think he will create pressure for Brady. However, the fact that the Rams are a little bit weaker at middle linebacker, Corey Littleton's come on this year, and he's been a prolific tackler, but he's also had to make a ton of plays. Because they're a little weaker in the middle of the field and because they don't have a great edge rusher, Donald is the main source of pressure there. I think the the Pats can actually easily counter this by going to James White and Edelman over and over and over again. In fact, if you gave me an over of Edelman and White targets over under 24.5, I'm taking the over. I think you're going to see something like that. 
uh, a combined targets 25 or more for Edelman or White. It wouldn't shock me if it got up to 30 because I think that's the way that the Patriots are going to win this game. The Rams are going to have to game plan accordingly. I think Wade Phillips is smart enough to figure something out to at least contain it, but I don't think it prevents the Pats from leaning heavily on that game plan. So um, another a player prop that I obviously really like is going to be uh, James White. If you see a James White targets anywhere or James White combined yards, I think that's a guy that I'm probably going to jump on. Uh, in fact, Julian Edelman, let's do that one. Julian Edelman receiving yards, 78 and a half. I'll take the over. I think uh, if you go up to James White, rush attempts, uh, that's four. I don't love that one as much. Um, and James White receiving yards is 52 and a half. So I think you have a real opportunity there with James White uh, to do some damage. Um, James White scrimmage yards, so rushing and receiving yards, 66 and a half. I'm over that all day. I think that's an easy one for you. Uh, and another one that I liked here that I was going through, quarter with more points scored, the fourth quarter, which does not include overtime. Second quarter minus 180, fourth quarter plus 160. I think it could be a wild and wacky finish, not unlike that Panthers-Patriots game that I referenced uh, at the top of the podcast because in that game, it was 14-10 at halftime with all the points scored in the second quarter, no points in the third, and then a 19-18 fourth quarter so things got pretty wild there late uh and one other uh another prop i'll give you so i i think there's something interesting here with the patriots um secondary and tertiary targets one of which according to the book has become rob gronkowski so will julian edelman score a touchdown in the game plus 130 with gronk will gronk score a touchdown in the game plus 180 Will Philip Dorsett score a touchdown in the game plus 210? And will Chris Hogan score a touchdown in the game plus 195? I think you can work some combination of those players. Say a Gronk Dorsett or Dorsett Hogan. Don't have to put a lot of money down and create some value for yourself. I think it's a pretty interesting play there. Uh, so those are the types of props that we're looking at. Uh, during the week and we'll continue to look at during the week um, as far as um, game props are concerned we'll keep going through it all week um, you have a race to five race to 10 race to 15 stuff like that uh, total points odd even which are coin flips I mean literally 80 pages of prop bets that I'm looking at so uh, I think that's key uh, and it's something we'll review all week now a uh, couple other things I mentioned at the top of the podcast or uh, NFL revenues and NFL ratings I think we're going to see I think we're going to see a really good rating here because we're tying in an extra time zone uh, Rams and LA and California are involved in a bigger way so I, I think that that is always going to help uh, Super Bowl is going to get a monster rating I'm not going to predict that this is the highest or anything like that but I think it does help uh, the fact that the Rams are involved and brings in another major TV market. Boston and L.A. are, are a, a home run for the NFL. So um, the story that's come out over the weekend about the officials with ties to L.A. become the latest Rams-Saints point of concern. That's according to Pro Football Talk. And I'll say that you can read all the stories you want about it. I think the NFL and the Saints and the Rams and everybody else understand that these officials weren't trying to make a call in favor of the Rams. I think that's ridiculous. I don't think they would fix it in any way. But the optics are bad. 
I think it is ridiculous that the NFL wouldn't vet that and send those guys to the other game. It just because it led to a firestorm of stories like this to come out and suggest that the NFL isn't doing their homework, which is just something that they don't need going into the Super Bowl week. I, I, I think I think this absolutely will change officials' assignments. In fact, the NFL has been mindful of this in the past. They will be Ed Hockley, who was a Phoenix native, normally was never assigned. In fact, he was never assigned to Arizona Cardinals home games because he was a Phoenix native. They would send him somewhere else. And I think you'll continue to see that happen moving forward. I think they made mistakes here, but it isn't something that uh, is going to be a concern for the NFL as far as the game being fixed. I think that's just something that they need to uh, make sure that they know about. Uh, Brady, Tom Brady saying he has zero chance he retires after their Super Bowl, so he's putting that to bed. Uh, he's not going to walk off into the sunset if they win yet another Super Bowl. Uh, Nikkel Roby Coleman, the, the the master of the non-call pass interference, has responded to uh, some comments and said he sees ways to get Brady all over the place and that the quarterback will slowly start to reveal himself. Age has definitely taken a toll for him to still be doing it. That's a great compliment for him. But I think that he's definitely not the same quarterback he was. Movement, speed, velocity, arm strength. He can still sling it, but he's not slinging it as much. I'll stop there because it gets uh, it's all sort of ridiculous. I think if anybody has been in the league for more than five minutes, they know that the last guy you, the last guy you want to trash talk is Tom Brady. And I would bet, if they had a prop bet that Brady scores and gets in Roby Coleman's face, I would put my house on it because that'll be happening. I've seen him do it before to D-backs that have talked smack and other players that have talked smack. And I think Nikel Roby Coleman uh, made a huge mistake in assuming that Tom Brady has lost a step in any way. Do I think he's the same Tom Brady he was 10 years ago? No. But he's also smarter than anybody out there playing and more competitive than anybody out there playing. So he figures out a way to get it done, even if his arm strength isn't what it once was. So um, plenty of stories that we can get to throughout the week. Just wanted to give people a taste of the prop bets uh, in the NFL, and I'll continue to to drop some gems. And we're going to add some guests throughout the week, whether they're from Roto Experts or Daily Roto uh, or other places from around the NFL world. I'll make sure that you get a a different scope, a different uh, viewpoint than mine on this solo podcast, which we'll have moving forward. I'll try and do it on a daily basis, but again, um, we'll see exactly how schedules work out. The last thing I'll close with is the Anthony Davis news. Uh, Anthony Davis uh, just demanding within the last hour or so that his agent, Rich Paul, has no and he have no interest in signing an extension with the New Orleans Pelicans, and they'll be moving forward to... Uh, requesting a trade or uh, moving forward with a trade. They have not requested any specific destinations, according to Mark Stein, uh, but I think you're going to come up with the short list soon enough as to where he wants to go. Uh, L.A. has been bandied about for Anthony Davis for a long time, and I'll say that while Magic Johnson's primary objective was to get LeBron James in the door, that was actually easier than anybody suspected. LeBron was going to L.A. all along. Cleveland wasn't really an option, and certainly nobody else was. Uh, so that first difficult part of Magic Johnson's job was completed fairly easy with LeBron wanting to be near family and, and obviously his transition into life after basketball. But now it's where it's going to get difficult. 
can he build a team around LeBron with people wanting to play with him? I think it's been suggested by plenty of other people, Kyrie Irving and others, that maybe they don't want to get dominated on a team by LeBron where he's making all the major decisions. Does Magic Johnson's presence actually help? And state that LeBron isn't the only one running the show like he was in Cleveland. I think that's what... Uh, set people off in a negative way. He helped a lot of guys get paid and, and obviously win a championship there, but uh, some guys tired of him being able to make every decision organizationally. So I think this is where the difficult part of the job comes in. L.A. will absolutely be a destination. Uh, will he go there right away and sign an extension, or will he go somewhere else and then become a free agent? It remains to be seen. New Orleans is going to expect a haul, and they obviously deserve it. I think it's a bummer that they couldn't make it work there because we've seen this in the NBA for decades. The major cities keep rising to the top. Uh, Golden State was a unique franchise in this NBA run, but they are obviously connected to a major city. They're moving from Oakland uh, to San Francisco. So, uh, bummed they couldn't make it work, but I'm just saying that this is going to be the time at which Magic's addition to L.A.'s uh, decision-making portion of their management team uh, is going to be on full blast. The spotlight will be on them. So uh, that's it for today. Going to keep it brief to kick this thing off. We'll get into a variety of other NFL topics throughout the week. We can do free agency. Uh, We can talk a little bit more what happened down at the Senior Bowl. We'll get into draft prospects and more throughout this podcast in the coming weeks as well as you do other sports so that's it for today on fst mike blewett we'll catch you tomorrow